Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Happy Friday, Freckled Foodie family. Today, we are joined by Helene Rutledge, who is the co-founder of Upgrade, a scientifically tested organic supplement company. The other co-founder, Justin Kamine, has actually been on this podcast like way back when, pre his upgrade creation. So you can check out that episode if you're interested in learning more about the other, um, you know, lead people in the company. I want to start by saying just to make sure everyone is aware, I personally am involved in the back end of Upgrade. Um, I was a part of the team in the very beginning stages. I am a personal investor in the company. So this is a brand that I absolutely wholeheartedly believe in, but I just obviously want to put that all out there for you guys so you know the full transparent story. Um, Helene has spent over 30 years in the pharmaceutical and health and wellness industry. She has gone from the quote-unquote Big Pharma to the now Unpharma, and she is the chief fem- chief formulator. Why can't I say that for all of the upgrade products? I also want to let you guys know everything will be linked in the show notes for upgrade. But Freckled Foodie will get you twenty percent off of your purchase if you are interested in trying the product. And without further ado, here is Helene. Helene, thank you for joining. I'm super pumped to have you and excited to share your story with the Freckled Foodie family. Thank you. Great to be here. So to kick things off, how would you define success? So for me, um, success is doing something that's meaningful to you, but then the benefit expands to more than just yourself. Um, I think when you accomplish something that makes an impact in you know the lives of others or something in the world is, is for me, what really means um, to be successful. And in the medical field, you're obviously having a large impact on people's lives. Um, I think that's safe to say. So have you always felt that level of success in your career? I know, you know, I would love to dive into your career and the changes you've made. um, But has that level of success and impact, I guess, always been something you felt you're having on others? I think that sometimes, um, especially when you work in big organizations, it's easy to lose the focus on um, why um, things are being done, right? In in big corporations, there's a lot of different goals. And when it comes down to it, for me, it's always been about uh, improving people's lives and putting the patient or the customer at the center of the care. Um, And in fact, years ago, I worked for a company called Warner Lambert, which um, no longer exists through a variety of mergers. And what I loved about that place is our motto was, we make the world feel better. 
And, um, you know, I think when that's at the center of everything you do, um, it, it really drives, you know, feeling connected to a mission. Um, and I think that's why so many people now are gravitating towards companies with strong missions. Um, but that's not always the case. And, and that's why I think it's important to um, be really know um, what the impact is that you're going to be working on, especially when it comes to healthcare. Absolutely. And I think it's really easy to get lost in larger corporations in like, what is the end goal here? Even though I was not working in healthcare whatsoever. Um, But just in larger companies, when you're not the person who's responsible for the big decisions and you're not feeling that direct impact on others, it is easy to just kind of fall into that and forget. And then once you're out of it, be like, wait, what have I even been doing? Like, what difference are we making? What change are we making? And that's not to say that differences and changes can't happen at large corporations. I just feel it's easier to lose track of that because it's not your sole responsibility. Yes, I agree. So you transitioned from big pharma to quote unquote unpharma. Can you kind of walk us through that journey and what led to that transition? Sure. Yes. Um, So the exciting thing for me is that um, I feel like my whole career has been leading up to trying to create a place that um, is capable of of disruptive change. Um, So in my career, um, mainly in the healthcare space, I did everything from, uh, you know, process development, product development, engineering, um, but then also, you know, started to see that the healthcare industry has a a lack of education on nutrition uh, and particularly nutritional supplements. Um, so a number of different things led me to seeing this. And one, um, I was VP of R&D at Nature's Bounty. And um, that's where I came across some really powerful clinical data on botanical extracts. Um, but the problem with supplements is that, you know, there's very strict regulations in, in terms of how you talk about them and that the, they're also broad enough that different companies comply at different levels. So it's really hard for a consumer to know what's a good supplement and one that, you know, is formulated with quality and is going to be efficacious versus the ones that make claims that aren't necessarily true. Um, so I was in that environment seeing there's all these um, opportunities for people to take proactive care of their health, um, you know, by looking at, you know, of course, everything starts with a healthy diet and exercise, um, but really the industry was doing a disservice um, to giving people the information that they would need to have um, a holistic healthcare approach personalized for their needs. Um, so in, in all of these environments, uh, it, it started to come to me that disruptive change uh, never happens from the incumbents. Um, and, you know, the pharma industry is rightly focused on serious disease, um, you know, and, and finding those cures that impact the lives of so many people. But lifestyle preventable conditions, um, really a synthetic chemical solution isn't right for everyone. And um, that's where we saw there's a need for something in between. And that's what we've uh, created at Upgrade. So I want to get into Upgrade, but I just also want, because I've obviously been newly informed of this, but for my listeners who probably haven't sit in rooms discussing supplement creation, can you just give a little bit of insight? You touched on it, but you know, supplements are regulated in different ways. Um, like 
in terms of the FDA regulations and, you know, all of that, can you provide some insight on how it can be a quote unquote murky territory for a consumer to navigate? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but since supplements are not FDA regulated, I feel like there can be claims made by the company that a consumer reads and they take for truth. And it's not always, unfortunately, the case. Absolutely. And and in fact, that's it, it's a common um, statement that supplements are not regulated, that they're technically regulated. Um, but the difference here is that there's no pre-market approval that's necessary. So companies um, have the responsibility on their own to be compliant with the FDA regulations for supplements. So as you can imagine, since there isn't you know that final check, um, things can get out on the market and the FDA only has so many resources. Um, so it really is a let the buyer beware situation. Um, and in fact, because the FDA has a hard time, um, you know, tracking down the, the hundreds and hundreds of new, you know, supplement products that come on the market every year, um, what happens is they focus on the truly dangerous ones, which as they should, right? So um, when consumers are misled, it's usually the FTC, um, you know, the Federal Trade Commission that goes after companies on the case of misleading advertising. So that's exactly what you're saying is there's companies that, you know, exaggerate their claims. They, you know, talk in language that um, the the regulations restrict. Um, but because there isn't that pre-market approval that stops them from doing it, there are a lot of bad players in the industry. And they unfortunately give the good responsible supplement companies uh, a bad name because, you know, if consumers look at this entire category based on the bad actors, then they miss out on the opportunity to um, get those high quality products that can help them. Definitely. And, you know, there's even from a influencer standpoint, you can say like a consumer of influencer content and then being on the influencer side, every influencer under the sun when influencing first became a thing and still the amount of pitches I get, it's very heavily weighed in like the supplement industry. And I feel like it became this thing where it was like, how many different supplements can an influencer promote? Like it's, there are just so many. Um, And so I do think consumers have become wary and learned to do a little bit more research on their end. But this is also one of the reasons why I love Upgrade so much because they've done the clinical research and like put it at the forefront and really want to provide that extra level of information for a consumer to feel comfortable and confident taking the product. So can you explain to us how, A, like what Upgrade is doing, and then B, how you feel they're doing it differently than the other supplements out there? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So Upgrade um, launched about a year and a half ago um, with our first product, uh, Perform Daily Inflammation. And um, what's really exciting about that is that we know that people um, um, experience inflammation very differently person to person and that um, it it manifests itself most often like those aches and soreness and just like we used to call it the daily grind, um, you know, that that starts to trouble your body. Um, And as a supplement, the language to use is that we're returning your body to a healthy state of inflammation because inflammation is good in your body when it's a response to an injury. So like it's what helps your body heal. But what's not healthy is if that inflammation keeps going and chronic inflammation 
inflammation um, can damage your joints. It, it's at the heart of a whole bunch of other more serious medical conditions. So what we wanted to do was to create a product that's not a magic pill. So it's not a fast acting pain reliever, but it's something that gives your body the tools to just naturally stay in that right range of um, an inflammatory response. Um, and we put it out on the market to see what people thought. Um, and the response was remarkable. And, you know, when you talk about the, the feelings of, of career success, to see the number of people who um, experienced all different kinds of relief from this product were just so exciting to me. Um, and then using that um, formula, which was um, based on uh, clinically studied ingredients at the efficacious level, using all the same um, pharmaceutical methods um, that we used in developing products, including the quality control, you know, manufacturing in an FDA uh, regulated facility, um, all of those things, letting consumers know that the, the quality is there. Um, the ingredients are um, from uh, a controlled supply chain, so there's no fear about any adulteration or, or ingredients being in there that don't belong in there. And then having the clinical data on the ingredients and what we commit to do for all of our products is to have uh, functional benefits that you can see, feel, or measure. Um, and in this product, the, the two ingredients, one works more quickly than the other. So as I mentioned, it's not a, a you know, fast acting pain reliever. And for curcumin, it takes three to four weeks um, of daily use to build up in your bloodstream to the point where you're gonna really notice those anti-inflammatory effects. Um, but there's also ashwagandha in the product. And in three to four days, the um, we have clinical data that shows there's a reduction in cortisol levels in your body. And that's something that many of our uh, customers have been able to literally feel. Um, so, and the exciting part is that once we launch a product, the research is not done. We continue to study it in different venues. In fact, um, a lot of athletes are really interested in the sports recovery benefits that we have for the product. Um, so we're working with um, various athletic organizations and research sites to continue studies into specific applications for the product. And that's just our first product. Um, <laughs> we also have a second product called Control Glucose, and that's to balance the blood sugar um, in your body. And um, we're really excited about that. That just launched. And um, a lot of uh, athletes who are using continuous blood glucose monitors are able to see that after one dose of the product, it reduces the postprandial uh, sugar spike in your blood. So after every meal, you get a sugar spike. And if you take our product right before your biggest meal, it reduces that spike. So, so basically being able to see that data that, um, you know, it's, it's unhealthy for your body to have like all these, you know, peaks and valleys of sugar and you feel that sugar crash. Um, and our, our product, we're demonstrating that um, it helps with that balance. And I can personally speak to being in the room in the very early stages of upgrade and the conversations that were being had around the importance of ingredients and the importance of actual clinical research and the importance of making a product that makes a difference, not just putting a product out there to sell, but something that's actually changing people's lives. And the commitment to that was exponential. I think it shows through the product, but I personally can give my two cents on the back end of things of really watching the product come to life. And like 
how much true work and commitment and dedication to creating an honest and ethical product was really put into it. And I can only hope that this is the direction that our medical field begins to move in. I'm obviously a little wary, um, but I can hope. And I'm curious where you think the pharma industry is going based on your experience in it and your transition to kind of unpharma. Like, what do you see happening in the future? So I'm encouraged in a lot of different areas. And, you know, sometimes it it takes a real crisis to bring about change. And I think so many things have changed with the pandemic. And the rise of telemedicine is really promising to me um, because, and it's something that I've been interested in since um, when I led Global Open Innovation at GSK, we were working with MIT Media Lab. And this was 10 years ago that, you know, the capability for biometric sensors and monitoring and all of these you know, asynchronous care were there, um, but there was this reluctance and you know, this slowness of adoption that the pandemic has really accelerated. So now that people are open to, you know, telemedicine visits, you know, communicating with their doctor, not just by going into the office, but, you know, asynchronously wearing, um, having wearables and opting in with their data, you know, this this is really patient-centered healthcare. Um, and it's something that didn't come naturally uh, to the pharma industry. And I could say um, when I was at GSK, I was also an internal consultant for the pharma division. And, you know, at the time, you know, it was a new idea to consider what patients wanted, Um, you know, when you were designing products and, and, you know, making sure they were easy to use and that the number one problem was compliance, like getting people to take their medication the way that they're supposed to. And it starts with understanding consumer behavior and what people want and what fits into their lifestyle. So I think that this is a big wake up call for the industry um, that's putting the patient more in control. Um, You look at communities like patients like me um, and and the ability for people to, you know, talk with other people who suffer from their same conditions and customize programs. And it's, that's where the power needs to be because frankly, the person who knows their health the best is that person, not somebody else telling them what they feel. Um, and, and I'm particularly excited about the empowerment that it gives to people who felt, um, you know, unable to stick up for themselves, like that they're feeling pain or they're feeling a symptom. And, you know, a doctor would say, well, you know, it doesn't make sense that you're feeling that. People should feel um, empowered to really own how, what their health care is and how they feel about it. I feel very passionately about the last point um, coming from a place of being told, well, nothing's wrong with you. We can't figure it out. Like it's probably your anxiety for four years trying to figure out what was going on with my digestive health system. And it was a absolute wreck and my body was clearly in havoc and things were happening. But every typical doctor I saw was like, "Mm, nothing's wrong. And it wasn't until I saw a functional medicine practitioner. And all of this is in my episode that dives into my digestive health and GI issues. So I don't, I won't go in length, but you know, I was such an advocate for my own health. I took notes of things. I had records of things. I would show up to doctor's appointments being like, okay, here's my history. Here's what's happening. And it wasn't until I saw a functional medicine practitioner and we did some more extensive testing that we found out I had mercury poisoning and it was the cause of all of this. And 
I mean, when I then went through collation therapy and eventually my levels got down to a much more reasonable amount, but it was so disheartening. I remember hysterically crying after these doctor's visits and calling my mom and being like, I think they think I'm crazy. And like, why does no one believe me? And why does no one have the answers? Like I'm turning to professionals. Why are they not able to help me? And I really, really am a big proponent of like, you have to be the biggest advocate of your health. You know, you have to, unfortunately, people want the answers, but like you do have to be a guinea pig you have to take note of things. You have to really pay attention to your body and like keep records, show up, be willing to like fight for yourself because unfortunately it's very easy in today's world for doctors to be like, well, you look good. I think everything's fine and kind of write it off. And that's not how it should be, but unfortunately that's how it is. And so really making sure that you are your biggest proponent when you're in these appointments and not only when you're in the appointments, but like how you're treating your body. Absolutely. And and actually that leads into why prevention is so important Um, because I've been seeing this for for my whole career is that everyone has this period in their life where um, you're generally healthy and you don't think about like what could be underlying, you know, conditions either genetically or behaviorally that will come out later in life. And, you know, the thing is it, it, it comes to a point where um, everyone has Um, something about themselves that, you know, will impact their later life. So if you want to increase, like so much focus has been on increasing longevity. What I think is important is increasing your health span, like the, the period of time that you're not just alive, but you're feeling healthy, you're feeling good. And all of these things that you can do for your preventative health, what you do in your 40s and your 50s set you up for the rest of I just lost you for a second. Oh, can you see me now? now I hear you. Yeah. Do you mind just going back? You were saying what you do in your 40s and 50s sets you up. Yeah. What you do in your 40s and 50s sets you up for how the rest of your life is going to be. If you're going to be, um, you know, debilitated rotated, you know, by, by certain conditions, or if you're going to be feeling good. Um, and, and I go back to a lot of the research we did at GSK, um, because so much of it is nutritionally based. Um, so it, it's about all of those common sense things that, you know, eating, you know, healthy foods, you know, uh, reduced sodium, like not having additives to your foods, eat fresh is best. Um, but then also, when it comes to supplementation, you can't get all of your essential vitamins and minerals from your food. So it's really having you know balanced diet, um, exercise, sleep, all of those common sense things. Um, but it's so important to do it early before you start feeling um, you know any negative effects because that that you know pays off in spades later. And I do think it'll be interesting to see, like the millennial generation, for instance get older because I think this has been more of a focus than it was when, for instance, my mom's generation was our age. And, you know, even just the focus on eating real whole foods or the access we have to supplements or the importance of exercise that it's playing in our lives. I do think it'll be interesting because it has been at the forefront when you think about the growth of the wellness industry, sometimes honestly too much at the forefront. Um, but, But I think it'll be really interesting to see how our generation ages 
and what that looks like health-wise at an older time. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, because those different attitudes, if if they were embraced, should make things easier um, or at least kind of delay the onset of, you know, some of those conditions like further out. Absolutely. So we haven't talked at all about food other than just like the importance of our diet. Um, but to close, I do like to ask, what would be the three ways to your heart through food? It can be as specific or as generic as you would like. So the first one is, is really personal to me because my daughter um, is training to be a chef. And um, the way to my heart is when she um, tells me I can ask her to cook absolutely anything that I want. <laughs> so, That's amazing. So what a luxury. And, and she, she is amazing. So, um, so that definitely has won me over with food. Um, and then the other thing with food is uh, in, along the same lines, something that is so simple and delicious that the flavor comes out. Like there, there are some foods that I don't want highly prepared. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, it's simple because I've tried not to eat very much meat lately. I've gone as um, vegan as I can, but I still like really enjoy like a, um, a bison burger, right? Like, so mm-hmm. something as simple as that, I don't want any seasoning on it. I don't want anything. I just want it. If I haven't had meat for six months, I want to taste the meat. <laughs> yes. So it's like, you know, simple, fresh ingredients, you know, is oh cuisine, but then there's also, you know, this flavor of the ingredients coming out. And then the last one is, um, I always thought that that chocolate would be like my biggest, you know, lifelong addiction. And I, I am so surprised I cut sugar out of my diet. Um, you know, actually, within the past six months, I no longer crave chocolate. And, oh my God. And it's so bizarre because for years that was the way to my heart and just give me some super dark chocolate and I'm happy. Um, and now I think with, with cutting the sugar out, I'm tasting all of the other foods so much more. Um, so, so I think that's been almost my food gift to myself is getting the sugar out of my diet. Wow. You're speaking to a sugar addict right now. <laughs> um, specifically chocolate and ice cream, especially during my pregnancy. I'm like, give me all of the ice cream in the third trimester and the second trimester. But I totally understand what you're saying because even when I, I'm an intuitive eater. And so when I want it, I I have it. Um, And because of that, I feel like I then don't crave it. It's not like off the table where like if you're not able to eat something, then you're like, oh, my God, I want it so badly. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do find that when I go through periods of like not really being into sugar, like I wasn't really in the beginning of my pregnancy at all. I just wanted salty and crunchy. I then started you taste the sweetness in things that like typically you would have just overlooked and like an yeah. example for me is always frozen grapes. Those were a huge craving for me and frozen pineapple in the beginning of my pregnancy. And still, I mean, I had them before I was pregnant and I still love them, but I agree. Like there is a sweetness to them when you're not eating as much processed sugar as we are used to in our American diet. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on here. This was so helpful. Everyone. All of the upgrade information will be in the show notes. I highly recommend checking out the product. Um, if Lean didn't convince you, please let me. And if people are interested in learning more about you or the product, is there somewhere where we should have them follow? 
Um, sure. Yeah. Go to um, Upgrade's um, website, Instagram, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn. And feel free to, uh, on the website that you can just ask a question and that'll get to me. Okay, perfect. Easy peasy. That'll all be in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. What's up, friends? I hope you guys found that episode as educational, informative as I did. Um, I have a few things I want to touch base on for this like solo ending. First, a little bit of pregnancy, just update situation. If you're following along with the what the fuck's happening to my body, then you like know some of this, but I am experiencing like new pregnancy symptoms that are just wild to me because they're kind of like mental. And I always thought these were jokes or myths. I don't know, but now I'm very much experiencing them. The nesting, like I cannot, this apartment can't be clean enough. First of all, I don't know why. Our apartment gets fucking dusty as hell. It is like real nasty to me when the light shines through in the morning because like the windows face the east. So no, west, windows face west. No, what the hell? Which way do my windows face? They face east. Is that the sun? I literally, okay, the other symptom, pregnancy brain, but I'll get to that in a second. Either way, the sun rises into our windows and it's so bright. And every morning our floors, like the part that's not carpeted, they're just so dusty. And I literally got this like vac mop thing. I, I don't know how it's possible to like keep them clean. Like I literally do this every day and everything is just dusty and it's driving me insane And I've always been an organized person, but never really like a clean, neat freak. And it is just a whole new level. Like this apartment cannot be cleaned enough. So nesting is very real and pregnancy brain is so real. You all just heard an example of it, but little things like I'll take out the orange juice and I'll grab a glass and then I'll put the orange juice back on the shelf where the glasses were. Or I like couldn't think of the word, um, Valentine's Day the other day. I kept referring to it as Thanksgiving. Today, we Joe dropped Charlie off at daycare and I spent five minutes in our apartment searching for him and in sheer panic because there aren't many places he can hide in a one-bedroom apartment. And I started freaking out like, oh my God, I've lost our dog. And then remembered that he was at daycare. It's just like the smallest, oddest things that I'm like, what is happening to me? Um, I also did a pregnancy shoot with my favorite photographer in the city, and I just went through the photos today and picked out our favorites, and I, like, uh, she's amazing. I love them so much. I'm not going to lie. A small part of me, when I first looked this morning, I was like, whoa, what? My body? That's me? Like, it does feel... I'm starting to notice like just physical changes and I'm like, wow, I don't necessarily look like myself. And obviously that's okay. And I'm not going to, especially in the third trimester. So I had a small part of that, but then I was like, shut the fuck up. You're growing a human. You are amazing. You're beautiful. Let's ride that. So I love the photos and I can't wait to share some of them. Um, Some are nude because I'm a nudist. So we will decide on whether those will be shared. TBD, not like porno nude, but you know what I mean? Like covering the the it's and bits. Um, is that a term? I don't know. Tits and bits? Whatever. We'll, we'll make it one now in the Freckled Foodie family. Um, also, pregnancy-wise, my balance is shit. I don't have balance anymore. And I shared this, but I have really weak ankles. And I don't know if it's like 
on top of me having weak ankles, I guess you get this like thing called relaxin. I don't know if it's a hormone or what. And your like limbs and muscles become more relaxed when you're pregnant to, I guess, prepare your body eventually for delivery. And my ankle just like totally snapped on a cobblestone when we were about to get to the West Side Highway to take Charlie to a dog park. And normally I just catch myself and it's a fine, but I, I, the balance is so off because of the weight distribution. I fucking ate shit, like big tree full hard. Joe and Lucy were like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like you were standing next to us and then one second you're on the floor. I fucking ripped my nice leather jacket from Italy. I ripped my overalls. I cut my knee. I'm okay. But like, what is going on? Um, Joe and I also had a childbirth education class with our doula, and it was so helpful, so informative. It was two hours long. Sorry, I can't, I can't stop yawning when I talk for this long. Um, and it was just so helpful to like learn stuff that I mean, I just felt wildly unprepared, and obviously. Still, I don't know everything, but I feel like I know the minimum and like a few things that are important going into this process, specifically of like, when do we go to the hospital? Like, what does birth feel like? When does it start? What what are the stages of labor? Like, what are we supposed to do? My biggest fear is not being able to get to the hospital because it's on the Upper East Side and we live in the West Village. So depending on the time of day, it could be a 15-minute drive or an hour drive. So that honestly is going to p- come into play of like when we decide to go to the hospital because it depends on the time of day. So I'm kind of hoping that like I end up going into labor in the middle of the night if we're being honest so we can just like fly there in an Uber because there's no way we're going to be able to get our car from the garage the way that that garage process works. Um, also, life announcements and updates – I've been hinting for a while, and if you're part of the Patreon family, you know this already, but I've been hinting for a while that we are doing some big life things, and I've been stressed about some personal stuff, and just like a lot of my time has been going towards something other than work, and that is because we are buying the apartment next door to us and beginning construction, hopefully soon, to build a door in the wall to create a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, so it has been kind of a process since like November, honestly, just like 10,000 approvals. The whole thing is quite a headache. I just like the definition of inefficiency, in my opinion, when it comes to all these board and other people approvals. But we officially closed in the apartment. I'm so just grateful to be able to do this. It's a massive financial investment for Joe and I. And It doesn't go unnoticed and it's caused obviously a lot of like financial discussion, which is why I've been talking about it more on my platform. However, I feel very privileged to be able to do this and to expand our home before the child arrives. And I'm excited for it to be done. It's just been a bit of a process and the anxiety and stress in me is one that would cling to this and obsess over it and like freak out over timelines because I'm still not sure whether it's going to be complete before the baby arrives. Honestly, I'm like very cautiously optimistic. Like I want it to be, but I'm starting to be a little realistic of of like that's not going to happen because of the approval process. We still are waiting for like the Department of Buildings to get back to us. So I don't have much more information on timing. I wish I did. Um, But I just feel like in the long run, it's really going to be worth it. We're very excited 
and I can't wait until it is complete. But, you know, in the meantime, there's nothing else I can do. I've done all I can do to try and control the situation, and I just have to kind of wait, which you guys know I'm not good at, but I'm really trying my hardest. So that's kind of what's happening over here in my life. I'm so grateful to be back in New York. It just feels like a night and day for my mental health, being able to see people just going outside every day. I am putting on normal clothes. I'm trying to like get into a different morning routine of just exercising first thing because otherwise it's just not happening. And then I never change and I never shower. And then the day goes by and I'm like, what the hell have I even done today other than sit on the couch? So for me, it's been helpful. I feel like I've like navigated a whole new stage of COVID quarantine with pregnancy. Um, It's just been so interesting to unpack and watch happen. But that's all for me. I hope you guys are enjoying, if you're on the East Coast, this gorgeous weather we are having. Bless the fuck up. Like, you don't know seasonal depression is real until it reaches about 50 degrees and it feels like you've popped a fucking molly. Not going to lie. I'm like, no, I love the winter. It's great. And then it's nice outside. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I have a whole new level of energy. So that's me right now. Um, Have a wonderful weekend. And next week is our 100th episode. Cannot fucking believe it. Love you guys. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at FF and Friends Pod for more information on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to give you the next episode.